the Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, Director of Content at Steinway & Sons and Editor-in-Chief of the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. Today I'm speaking with composer Daniel Felsenfeld on the brilliance of a quiet legend, the 90-year-old Steinway artist, Alfred Brindle. Hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm good, Ben. How you doing? Great. Danny, Steinway artist Alfred Brindle is a lauded Austrian pianist, and he is 90 this year. What else can you tell us about him? I just love him because when you think about pianists, right, they basically, a lot of them play the same repertoire. They all play the same instrument, obviously. Like, And I don't want to put them down. It's a really difficult thing to be a great pianist. But like, the idea of being a great pianist is, is not why I think I love Brindle. Like great pianist is kind of a buzzword that we've used to beat back a lot of other people. But I think what he does is he contributes like this, I don't know, this kind of wry intellectualism to what he does. Not in a way of like, I'm going to sit down and be the most profound thing, but he really seems to think about things. And and I think that's, that's unfortunately not always true. And I, I tend to go for the person who's like, kind of self-defeating and well-rounded and not a huge celebrity and takes it seriously, but also doesn't take himself too seriously and is able to, to not just play the piano. You know, like I like a pianist who can't just play the piano they, or any kind of musician who doesn't just play their instrument as like that's, then they become kind of an athlete and that's fine. But I, I like Brendel for other reasons. I think he's, he's just an interesting, funny, thinking, strange creature. A little bit like Glenn Gould, but not near as weird. Fewer drugs as well. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? How does Brendel's wry intellectualism, as you've just put it, translate itself in his playing? You know, that's a really great question that I'm going to dodge, uh, because I don't know a good answer to it, because I don't think there's a one-to-one about these matters. And like, that's the whole of being an artist, right? Is, is that, you know, you can't be like, well, you know, this person is also a potter and therefore he's able to sustain longer crimping things throughout a course of a Beethoven sonata. I don't think there's a one-to-one we can do that. But I do think, and maybe it's, maybe it's since I know who he is and I know how he plays, I tend to think of him as this way. Maybe this is just the figure he cuts on the world stage or whatever, but I don't know. There's, it just does is my very stupid, thoughtless, deeply unrigorous answer to your excellent question. For those of us who are new to Brendel's recordings, where is a good place to start? I mean, Beethoven? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, like there's, you know, get get the box set and just dip in. I, I don't think there's like, I have a complex relationship with this notion of interpreters, you know, and I know that's kind of what most of the most of the music consuming public, classical music consuming public tends to want to talk about is whose who's interpretation of what great masterwork is ideal or where do, you, where do you even begin with them? And I guess you could begin with listening to some Beethoven sonatas. I mean, that's always a good place to start with any pianist, just because it's sort of like a bridge that they all end up passing eventually. I also love him playing the role of, uh, you know, we don't use this word anymore, uh, accompanist. It's now called collaborative pianist or duo partner. And that's great. It should be because it's, it's a hard job. But I, I love him playing Winterreise, uh, the Schubert song cycle, which I think is just one of the coolest, most interesting pieces ever. You know, and I think he does it, does it justice many times. Did he record the Beethoven sonatas three times? Do I have that right? Yeah. 
So I don't know which one to start with. I mean, like, like That's, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a world leading expert on Alfred Brendel. I just happen to think he's great. I happen to think he's really uh, kind of neat. And I, I, when I when I want to listen to a pianist, he tends to be the one I, I gravitate to, just because I feel simpatico with him in a lot of ways. I think that's as good a note as any to end the intro on. Sure. Without further ado, here is Daniel Felsenfeld reading his article, Alfred Brindel, The Thinking Pianist's Man, originally published on listenmusicculture.com, Steinway & Sons' multi-award-winning online magazine. Why should a musician with an active and absorbing career bother to write about matters of his trade, writes Alfred Brendel in the preface to his essay collection, Brendel on Music. To explain himself is the least of his worries. Here, contained within this chunk of modest introductory pith, we get a sense of the deep wryness and self-abnegating humor that serves as the gesso behind the full portrait of this enigmatic artist. For Brendel holds a likely never-to-be-repeated position in the music world the dubious honor of being the, quote, thinking man's pianist, perhaps the last of that specific breed. The uncertainty comes not from the built-in old-world sexism of the phrase, but from the notion that such a thing is desired, necessary, and even exists at all. And yet Brendel, now 85, earns this unfortunate moniker by dint of the vast corpus of his work. His prolific recorded output, coupled with his distinguished literary contribution as both essayist and even poet, And though his mark has unquestionably been made, the man himself remains gnomic, elusive, not exactly a shut-in or a shut-out, absolutely famous, but hardly a superstar. I admit a certain simpatico with Brendel. Aside from sharing a birthday, we also share the great distinction of being mutants, musicians, classical musicians no less, from deeply unmusical families. And Brendel's statement, quote, Next to my involvement with music, I have always been attracted by words and also apply to myself as I've spent much of my time writing about music, though trained and working as a composer. He even has more words about words which strike a resonant chord. To use them with a modicum of elegance, even when dealing with a subject which, supposedly, starts where words end, has remained a challenge. I can attest he's certainly risen to the challenge. But some shared pursuits aside, what attracts me to Brendel the pianist, is Brendel the overall plasmatic package. I'm not a child prodigy, he says, with something of a wink to the camera in the documentary tantalizingly subtitled Man and Mask. I'm not Jewish, as far as I know. I'm not from Eastern Europe. My parents were not musicians. There was no music in the house. I have a good memory, but not a phenomenal one. I'm not a good sight reader. 
I'm completely at a loss to explain why I made it. Such a litany of charming submissiveness and endearing late career humility, aside from casting doubts on his assertion that he's not Jewish, stands as one of the reigning aspects of the human, all-too-human creature that is Alfred Brendel. I've always liked monsters, he says, creatures of the imagination, mythological creatures, creatures of fables. Helling, because like all artists, great and small, he has fashioned himself into a mythological creature, a curated imago, a man who carefully guards his private life, so that what we know of him, and not just through his prolific recordings and writings, but from interviews and the sanctioned documentary, is what he chooses to reveal, an odd thing, maybe even a luxury position, for someone who has been an international musical celebrity for half a century. Much of the scrupulously wrought character that is Alfred Brendel rests on his often discussed, by himself especially, autodidacticism. He had formal music lessons until he was about 16, culminating in his first public recital at 17, in which he performed a composition of his own, a sonata with, he frequently boasts, a double fugue, arguably the most technically challenging compositions to pull off. He then lit on on his own intellectually. He studied recordings, scores, practiced an ungodly amount, painted, wrote, read, and simply immersed himself in culture with the intent of making something of his mind and hands that could last. This coincided with the end of the Second World War, and Brendel, like so many Europeans, especially those of Germanic descent, felt lost at sea in the implications of the unspeakable horrors of the war. And this both divided and defined him. After years of turmoil, he wrote, without a proper home and an available piano, I realized that there was a large area of compensation. The realm of aesthetics, art, music, literature, theater, and film seemed to be, as Nietzsche had said, the sole justification of life and the world. I decided that the world was absurd and that to perceive the comical side of absurdity was the proper strategy for survival. But his next statement is likely the most telling because if you want to look at what makes Brendel who he is, of course, one must look to the profundity, his way with an all-encompassing composer like Mozart, or most tellingly, his two recordings of Schubert's dark and getting darker Winterreise, wherein the great soloist plays the most daring role of all, that of accompanist, quote-unquote, and rises above the strictures to the necessary level of co-conspirator. Because in his own words, quote, next to the wonderful sense of order I derived from music, I learned to value nonsense, not just the poetic territory discovered by Edward Lear, but the nonsensical part of reality. The pronouncement that Dada was nothing, i.e. everything, opened up the world beyond the strictures of intellect. End quote. If, as Adorno famously quipped, there is no poetry after Auschwitz, could there be laughter? Brendel, in his musical persona, his writings, and in the tiny glimpses into his character he has allowed, absolutely seems to think so. mid-1970s agreements which no longer exist, but without which we would know precious little about our own musical heritage. 
Consider the sprawling legacies of not just Brendel, but of everyone from Pierre Boulez to Claudio Orao, Benjamin Britten to Vladimir Horowitz, Serge Chelibadachi to Arthur Rubinstein, all of whom come down through history only due to the strength of their legal binding. And so, in celebration of his 85th birthday, Decca has released an exquisite scholarly must-have box set of his complete or damn near recordings made on what was once called the Phillips label. Quote, if I belong to any tradition, Brendel said, it is the tradition which makes the masterpiece tell the performer what to do, and not the performer tell the masterpiece what to do, end quote. And as straightforward as this sounds, Brendel on record is a mire of personal complexities. With this box, we get to know the deeply shy public person, the studied and learned musical soul, who is, in essence, entirely self-taught. The austere thinker who delights in the far-side cartoons of Gary Larson, all through careful listening and re-listening. And yet, the collected box has three, three separate traversals of the Beethoven piano concertos, each quite different. Though that can easily be explained as collaborations between pianists and separate conductors. But what does one make of his two tours with the complete Beethoven piano sonatas, or his dual recordings of the late Schubert sonatas? Quote, as an interpreter, it is, in my threefold function of curator, executor, and obstetrician, he says, in his justifiably beloved essay, Form and Psychology in Beethoven's Piano Sonatas. Quote, I am not interested in cliches, but what is special and unique, end quote. Which means, as one changes, one's own interests change, and therefore a multiple assaying of the same pieces can teach us plenty. Think of Glenn Gould and the two Goldberg recordings, both transformational, both important, even necessary, and radically different. Brendel attempts to find the funny, to winnow down whether there is any possibility that music, in and of itself, can actually make one laugh out loud, in the way that Beckett, Cervantes, Dali, Borges, Pynchon, Mozart, and even Schoenberg can make us giggle. His essay, Must Classical Music Be Entirely Serious?, quite literally poses this question. And in his own sly fashion, he goes deep chapter and verse into how Haydn was funny, quote, his sudden rests and fermatas at unlikely places and his extended repetitions of the same chord. How Beethoven was funny, quote, one may call it an alternation of whispering and stentorian laughter, or of tiptoeing and stamping, end quote, or how Mozart is not funny. His imagination, like that of Schubert, was predominantly vocal, and singing, like sensuality, is hardly funny. Along the way, invoking Homer, Hegel, and Pliny the Younger by way of Umberto Eco's famous maxim, which in translation reads, sometimes I laugh, I joke, I play, I am human. This profound look at absurdity applies to Brendel as well. Should proof be needed, look no further than his near-hysterical recording of all things Fur Elise. His galumping, almost drunken approach to this overplayed dilettante bonbon is funny in and of itself, but also funny that he deigned to record it at all. But from an author who opted to title his collected essays Music, Sense, and Nonsense, this hardly seems out of character. Careers being made on what one refuses as much as what one pursues, in a quest to unearth Brendel, the box is instrumental in demonstrating what he chose not to record. On one end of the spectrum, absent are the great contrapuntal keyboard masterpieces of Bach, the Goldbergs, the great 48 of the well-tempered clavier, any of the inventions. And on the other, his interest in the music of the two centuries he spans stops with Berg, his piano sonata, and two pieces by Busoni, both written before Brendel was born. One wonders why this pianist, so committed to the romantics, is less interested in more than just a quick dip into the solo keyboard works of Brahms, like the epic variations on Handel and Paganini, let alone the four sonatas. And while the missing Debussy and Ravel hardly surprises from such a committed Germanophile, the lone recording of a work by Chopin speaks volumes. To wit, Brendel, the self-made and unapologetic polyglot, 
a living representative of what is, for better or for worse, a vanishing musical world, kind of self-abnegating wise fool jester of the highest intellectual order, knows his limitations. In 2008, Brendel retired from public life, playing a final concert accompanied by the Vienna Philharmonic, and fortunately recorded for posterity in a collected box. Of his multiple recordings of Schubert's Opus Posthumus, B-flat major sonata, this, his final statement of public life, a piece for which he was a champion, stands as his final onstage cri de corps. But we still have his writing. His recordings should be more forthcoming in his poetry. And while it is best left to those who can speak articulately about poetry to do so, we can leave Mr. Brendel's verse to have the last, most direct, and clearest view of who he is, and will likely continue to be. Once upon a time, I was no wunderkind. Due to my obstinacy, though, I became one later. like quiet legend i think that's what he is strange guy i would like to meet him someday you've been listening to soundboard the steinway and sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship This podcast was taken from the essay Alfred Brindle, The Thinking Pianist's Man, written by Daniel Felsenfeld, and published on listenmusicculture.com, Steinway's multi-award winning online magazine. We heard Steinway artist Alfred Brindle performing Beethoven's Piano Sonata No. 8 in C minor, Opus 13, Pathétique, available on DECA. Our intro and outro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, Editor-in-Chief at ListenMusicCulture.com. Question for the podcast? Message me on Facebook at Soundboard, or hit me on the gram at Soundboard Podcast. Subscribe to Soundboard on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, or wherever you pod your casts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>